Senator Ray Scott from Grand Junction, Colorado. Excellent. Thank you for joining the program here today. Grand Junction, one of my favorite parts of Colorado. Love it up in that area, that rifle area. You get up in that, boy, a lot of national parks up there. So very, oh, yeah, it's a great place. Yeah, very great. blessed to have you on the program today to talk a little bit about, you know, there's energy development up there too. And that wasn't even the lead in with the national parks, but I suppose that should probably be brought up too in this interview. <laughs> but uh, let, let's start off with just a little bit of an update. And I'm responding to, by the way, thank you for coming on the program, uh, Senator Scott. Sure. But um, I, I sent you an article coming out of your newspaper, the Grand Junction newspaper, that just kind of gave an overview about uh, oil and gas activity. And I just wanted to get it from your perspective. You talk to a lot of industry out there. You talk talk to a lot of people out there. What are you hearing out in the street? And do you disagree or agree with some of the things in that article? Well, you know, I think a, a lot of what was in the article was, <clears throat> excuse me, was, uh, you know, you want, you want to keep a positive attitude about these things, right? Uh, it's not as rosy as what I think a lot of people might think it's going to be in the future. Um, my big concern is, is the industry retracts uh, what's going to happen with our severance tax, for example. Right now, all told in Colorado, we bring in about $31 billion a year from oil and gas activities. And that includes severance tax, Revenues for everything from hotels to restaurants to everything else. As that starts to dwindle, how do you backfill that? How do you, how do you backfill $31 billion in revenue uh, if Governor Polis is successful in moving the industry out of the state of Colorado? And that's also about 225,000 jobs. We've already seen about a 30% cut in jobs here in Colorado on the oil and gas industry uh, with no end in sight for... Uh, for that for that change in jobs out here uh yes it is very concerning there are some things that are glimmers of hope if you will because as you've probably looked at eastern colorado is predominantly oil production western colorado is predominantly natural gas production so we have the pipeline networks as i heard in a in a conference up in anchorage alaska this this past fall you know we understand in this industry the 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 resource isn't the problem. The technology is not the problem. <clears throat> the politics are the problem. And we see that all over the country with pipeline issues. Uh, we see it, of course, in Colorado with environmental issues. So it makes it very difficult to, to work in those, those fields. But hopefully, uh, we're able to make some deals with, you know, right now they're working on an export terminal in Baja, California. There's one up in north of Vancouver. And, of course, we have the Jordan Cove project. We need to get that resource out of the Piance Basin to the markets that need it and want it and will help us globally, not only from a, from a uh, economic you know, policy type side, but you know, it helps human beings do what they do. And it also can help China get off of more coal, for an example. And th those are all good things. There's all positive things that we can do. But you've got to have a political atmosphere that will let you do that. And right now we don't. Ray Scott, our guest, talking about some of the issues happening in Colorado where they're ramping up once again uh, some of the regulations and setbacks when it comes to oil and gas. Uh, you mentioned the taxes. By the way, uh, for those joining us, the article I'm, I'm reference, references, referencing, excuse me, is from the 
Grand Junction Daily Sentinel entitled the titled the county is cautiously optimistic about the economy but oil and gas slowdown and regulations are a concern and for anybody who's been following Colorado that's a very you know that's that says basically what's been happening over the past year but you brought up the tax revenue and to me that is one of the things that I would think a lot more uh, leaders uh, like yourself politicians uh, industry leaders would be coming forward and really trying to hammer that home to the um, oh I don't know educational lead you know what I mean by that to where in sure. North in North yeah. Dakota for example 55 percent of our state budget is allocated to the oil and gas production and extraction tax and actually if you look at like vehicle registrations and some of those secondary taxes, some argue it's close to 65% of our state budget comes from oil and tax. And you understand so, the, 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 what I'm getting at, yeah. Well, and I can recall a, a short meeting I was involved with with your past governor, Dalrymple. Did I say that right? You did. Ja uh, governor Jack Dalrymple, yep. Yeah. Well, you know, we had Hickenlooper, so Dalrymple, I mean, good grief. It was a little tricky to say either one of those names. Right. <laughs> uh, I remember him telling me that, that, that North Dakota had a real big problem. It was called a billion-dollar reserve. <laughs> so I was just like, gee, thanks for that, you know? Well, and, it, and it's a good problem to have, but at the same time, it's kind of like that problem Wyoming has where they don't really even have a Democratic legislator, so even the dumb ideas get through way too fast, you know? <laughs> so <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes you know you get out the good problems they have can turn into real problems. So oh yeah, well money's the root of all evil, right? Right, exactly. Yeah, but but uh, when it comes to like some of the educational side of things, and you know the actual social programs, does that ever come up in any of these public hearings, any of these types of things, or do they just assume that it's going to get replaced by the taxpayers? Well, I'll tell you what, that, that narrative is, has been used a lot in Colorado. It's, uh, you know, a lot of people's eyes glass over when you start to talk about that. And as you know, I think, you know, a typical voter, a typical person out there in, in our country, we don't notice something until it hits us in our wallet, right? All of a sudden, our utility bill is doubled, or our car payment doubled, our insurance goes up. You know, the things that smack you in the wallet, and you go, whoa, what just happened and sadly enough, I think that's going to have to happen to people in Colorado. They're, they're going to have to feel the pain and then say, well, what went wrong? What's, what's going on? Because you, you and I both know most people aren't paying attention to politics. You know, the national scene takes all the air out of the room. So people aren't, you know, you turn on the news and they're talking about New Hampshire and Iowa and, you know, all these other things are going on. And uh, these kind of problems sneak up behind you and, and, and catch you off guard. And I'm... I'm very concerned that that's what's going to happen here in Colorado. Maybe sooner than later, people are going to get smacked in the wallet, realize that, well, wait a minute, how come the school can't hire new teachers or we can't build the bridge or the sewer plant can't be updated? And then, then start to understand that severance taxes was paying for that. And without those severance taxes, there's, how do you backfill that unless you tax the general public in some fashion or form uh, to recover those kind of funding? Uh, and, and I think that's when people will really wake up. And I, and I do hope that happens sooner than later. I think you're probably going to be right on that. There's going to be a little bit of tough love before people understand what the term everyday energy really means. And, oh, yeah. Absolutely. And, and when we say everyday energy, you know, we're talking about toothpaste, prosthetics, the plastic that goes over syringes at the hospital. 
I mean, we're talking about all kinds of things that I agree. You know, it's it's really funny when the average person will have no problem saying, "Let's get rid of fossil fuels," but won't sure. go won't go thirty minutes without their cell phone. Oh, absolutely. I mean, again, it's it's those things that we take for granted, right? We just take all those things for granted. I think the last I looked, there was something like six thousand eight hundred products that we use on a daily basis they're derived from fossil fuel and and this is where this is what concerns me is that you know that that narrative that we like you say that narrative that we've done and is not working and it just it seems like they it, it you can hand them a study and they look at it like it's a turd sandwich you can tell them <laughs> you, you know you, you can tell them that you know that toothpaste and toothbrushes and hygiene is reliant on fossil fuels and they'll they, they won't care and you know so it's almost like you're talking to a brick wall so I, I go back to I wonder how we can figure out a way to connect with some of these people and I was looking at yesterday there was a protest in Boulder Colorado were you familiar with that about the um, it was at NEPA 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 oh, yeah. Well, I mean, they have a protest every day in Boulder, so I mean, just yeah, add it to the list, right? Yeah, no kidding. Yeah. Well, yeah. And, and and that really does bring me to the question, you know, for people who are interested in supporting industry in Colorado, um, you know, I've seen posts on social media that uh, the people in charge of the protests are already tired, and we haven't even gotten into the political season yet. You know, it's no, like no, no. so. So, what 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 advice do you give to people to get out there and be active and either support? You know, I mean, you you've been in this a long time, and 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 what we're in the midst of is a political campaign, but it's with a social cause, and so well, it's it's very similar. Do you know what I mean? Oh, absolutely, and I and I think we don't have to look far. Uh, to find a solution. I think uh, the, the opposition's playbook has become fascinating to me. Uh, as we've noticed, they've now brought in young people. So they're infiltrating our school system with the knowledge that they want to spread or the message they want to spread. Uh, the, the Greta Thornburgs of the world. Uh, there was a protest here not long ago where they had re- let kids get out of school to come uh, protest climate change here at the Capitol. I remember looking out the window and I saw children that weren't old enough to understand that they were, you know, somebody had probably told them we're going to Dairy Queen, handed them a sign that said climate change kills kids and they wander around the Capitol with it. They, they're too young to understand the issue, right? Uh, and that is a dangerous, dangerous thing for our society as a, as a, as a whole, I think. To, you know, for schools to allow those things to be taking place. Uh, but they've infiltrated the, the education system so much, uh, I get calls all the time from constituents saying, hey, my kid was just told he had to take this test. It's not a state-sanctioned test or an education or a, a, a district-sanctioned test. It's something a teacher came up with off of some website that talks about how bad fossil fuel is. And, that, and those things are very disturbing. And uh, so, you know, the, the problem is, I think, you know, the industry with a, a consistent message that they pushed out there, and I'm not saying they did a bad job, but they never changed their message and they never moved off of dead center. And, you know, the opposition behind them was, was smart enough to understand they had to infiltrate from the school districts, you know, all the way up to the elected officials level. And they've done a masterful job of that, quite frankly. And we've got some catching up to do. Ray Scott is with us. State Senator out of the Grand Junction. What district again? It's uh, Senate District 7. It's called Grand Junction, Colorado, Mesa County, Colorado. 
that's where I'm from, and, and primarily a natural gas development area. Okay, and the reason we have on the program is talk about some of the things going on in Colorado, because that's kind of ground zero for a lot of the Colorado blueprint and the environmental blueprint. I mean, they, they used it in California, they've used it in New York, but it's really got whole new legs in, in Colorado. And, you know, we're seeing some rumblings in other states, so we appreciate Senator Scott coming on here to talk about it. The other reason why is um, I've been pretty critical on the program to industry leaders and politicians who are elected leaders about this allowing of children to be used in protests. So I'm very glad that you brought this up because this is something where I've been... I've been following this for a number of years, and when they started bringing in children, I was getting a little bit more upset. I'm a single father. I was a stay-at-home, stay-at-home dad. I, haven't, I, I hug and kiss my son every, every day before he goes to school. He's 13. He still allows me to. I, I haven't missed a basketball game, so I'm very involved with my kid's life. And so when I see children being used at protests, like you said, they're just going to it. And then afterwards, the parents are taking them out to pizza like it's a like it's a basketball game. That that concerns me. And just to go one more before I let you respond to that, uh, when Time Magazine anointed Greta Thunberg as Times Person of the Year, that allowed existential fear to be cool in children, and that is a very dangerous combination when you've got parents looking for the next Aaron Brockovich against oil and gas and existential fear and children being cool. That's a dangerous mix, Senator. Oh, I, I totally agree. And, uh, you know, parents really need to start paying attention. I mean, they, you know, you want your children to learn something in school. I, you know, I get that, you know, climate change is something that a lot of people would suggest that, yes, my children do need to understand that. But they need to understand both sides of the equation, right? You can't just allow educators just to talk about what they believe, their, their ideology, uh, and not the other side. They, we, we need to work on getting a, you know some curriculum put together, you know, call it a STEM system or whatever you want to call it, where we're getting you know, balanced information to these children so when they become adults, they can make informed decisions, not just be indoctrinated into one side of the argument. And, I, and obviously we've seen that nationwide with you know, the, the colleges allowing the protests that have been going on in some cases. Um, you know, I mean, I'm sorry, but I, I can remember a little bit when I was a kid. Uh, if somebody would have told me you're going to die in 12 years if we don't fix X, Y, Z, what a terrible thing to say to a child, right? But some people believe that's okay. I don't agree with that, quite frankly. I think it's a terrible thing to do to a kid uh, because who knows what might set off in their their little minds. They they're still they're still learning how to read, write, and doing arithmetic. You know, my well, gosh, to tell them something like that's terrible. And and you know, this is a lawmaker in other industries and in other areas. There are laws that prevent that type of predatory behavior. Uh, oh, it, absolutely. It, it absolutely. just it just we haven't defined the laws in those areas yet. No, no, and yeah. unfortunately, you know, that's the kind of stuff that we get stuck with at, at, the, at the state levels or the federal level of trying to correct that kind of thing and. Uh, it's, it's very unfortunate that, that that's allowed to continue. 
So let's let's bring her home here to Colorado where you're representing and fighting the good fight out there. And I appreciate you coming on the program because we like to try to support the industry any way we can. And part of that is just getting the information out there to the masses, letting them know how to engage, letting them know what some of the issues are, which we've done today. But how can people help? How can people get involved? You're in Colorado where, like I say, that's like ground zero these days for the political oil and gas activity. And um, you know, whether it's your campaign or whether it's, uh, you know, the local campaign, just, you know, you guys have got an explanation on how to get people revved up and ready to go. Because here at The Crude Life, our motto actually for 2020 is ready for anything because it's a political year. <laughs> They're using children yeah, yeah. And, they, and we haven't even started the year hardly. So, I mean, I know, I know. It's, 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 it's frustrating. So what, 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 what should people be looking for and how can they help? Well, one of the things, I, there's two things I can think of right off the top of my head. Number one, we just talked about a little bit. I would get involved in your school's curriculum. And, and if the school district is letting allowing things to happen, as we just discussed, get in their face now. Do not allow a non-balanced discussion for your children. That's incredibly dangerous. And it doesn't have, we're not just talking our issue of oil and gas. That could be on multiple issues. Number two, I would really take a look at your state legislator's and, and, and talk to them about separation of powers. One thing we've noticed here in Colorado, uh, Jared Polis was very crafty. He came out of the Obama administration as a congressman. He learned from Obama on how to allow regulatory agencies to run your government. So what, what they did in Colorado this last year is they gave additional authority to all these different state agencies, whether it's Department of Health, Department of Revenue, Department you know, Oil and Gas in our case, called the Colorado Oil and Gas Conservation Commission. They gave them all this new authority. And by doing that, the governor can sit back with no fingerprints on anything and allow the agencies to push his agenda. And now we already know, and most of your listeners probably know, Jared Polis is a Green New Deal guy. So he's, he's having that agenda pushed out into all of his agencies, and they're forcing new regulations on oil and gas, on air quality, water, anything you can imagine that affects the Green New Deal. We have a bill coming up that I think we heard tomorrow where building products to build a home will have to have a carbon footprint analysis before it can be used. Uh, we've got bills coming to do things like not allowing natural gas to be connected to new construction of a home. We have biodiesel, which is not terrible, but at the same time, it's problematic because it's only made in Iowa and I happen to live in Colorado. There's just there's level after level after level of state agencies that are infiltrating the separation of powers. So a governor can very easily go to his side of the aisle in the legislature and say, this is my agenda, this is what I want you to push, and my agencies are going to do that. And then force them to make those changes. That's not what our founders believed in. There has to be a separation of powers. And if you see any cracks in that in your particular state, get involved. Go talk to your legislators. Go after the governor. Make sure that there's separation of powers. Because if we, if we don't, we're going to have a collapse of our republic at the state level. And that, that, that is frightening and beyond belief. That's a great way to spell that out. I've been trying to put my finger on it. And I and somebody asked me the other day, you know, what, what what's the root of what's going on in Colorado? And I said, you know, it almost seems like they're using local control 
in the way it was not supposed to be like the evil version of local control like <laughs> it, it, it did it almost seemed like there because really at the end of the day it, it is some out-of-state interests that are funding a small handful of people on a local level and sure. because they're funded it's their full-time job and sure. And if they have a full-time job and it's a passion, yeah, they got time to do it. Everyone else is working two, three jobs. So oh, yeah. they don't have yeah. time to do a lot of this different stuff. So I'm glad that you're able to articulate it like that because I've been trying to figure it out how to come up with the right way to phrase that. And like I said, all I could think of, it's like the reverse of local control. It's like a national yes. person came in, selected one local person and just, you know, made oh, yeah. it happen yeah. through that. But anyway, that's... Well, and as you've seen in Colorado, what they've done is said, well, you have local control, but then they put the regulations in place at the state level, and you can, you can do something worse than the state is doing, but you certainly can't ease the pressure by saying, well, no, 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 we're not going to do what the state says to do. They made it illegal to do that. So well, there is no local control. And, and in no- North Dakota does something very similar to that, where you, you pay the local taxes to the state, and the state reimburses what they think they should give you. Sure. Oh, absolutely. We do the same thing. Yeah, and and so then the the oil towns, they had to get together during the last session and come up with, I think, a third or fourth attempt to try to get some money, you know, because they're paying 65% of the state taxes and getting back about 2%. Because they're like you guys out in western western, uh, Colorado, you know. I mean, I, I don't know what the population is, but I would imagine the population is very heavily on the east side of the state in Colorado. Oh, yeah. You could pretty much fit North Dakota's entire population in a suburb of Denver. That's what I figured. Yeah, I mean, well, this is actually a true story. In North Dakota, um, on the east side, there's no oil and gas activity. I mean, it's literally five hours from the nearest well. And there's there's not a bad land. It's all flat. It's all ag. It's very much like... um, east of Greeley okay so it's it's very flat very egg and um, all the population is there so the, the the colleges are on the east side of the state so when people talk about the growth in western North Dakota the growth for every person in Watford City for example seven more popped up on the east side of the state because of the colleges so you're talking about a Boulder Colorado situation in Fargo the kids have already went before the city council and demanded a climate emergency. Grand For- of Oh, yeah. So if you go about 25 miles, I don't know, east of Fargo, draw a straight line from the Canadian border down to South Dakota, that's probably 65% of the population right there. So- oh, yeah. That's, 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 the, that's kind of what's happening all over the country. The, the population centers are the, the problem child. Right. I mean, that's where the problems are. Well, yeah, because you have you. It's it's the old city people telling rural people how to live, and yeah, it doesn't exactly. work out like that all the time. For some reason, moving to a city apparently, you know, you have to check your common sense at the city, you know, the city border, right? Yeah, it just, it just goes away. I don't know why, but it's it's a rural rural thought process is so much different than city process. It's just amazing. Well, I apologize for keeping you longer here. I kind of sidebarred into new, into new issues, similar states type of thing, <laughs> which is the population centers and, and, and jurisdictions and things like that. New topic for a different day. But, but all that, all that is, is very much part of the, how the system works. But uh, Ray Scott, I appreciate your time today. You're very welcome. And thank you so much for taking the time and uh, spread the word, man. We need all help we can get.